we double up with laughter. We can't stop. I notice Hervé's beautiful, even teeth. I've never seen him laugh before. At last, we regain control of ourselves. We've saved the students, staff of the science faculty, and perhaps even those of the arts faculty next door. In fact, the whole of the impressive modern building, Léon Blum's prize baby. Elected president in 1936, he was to give the provinces a chance to free themselves from the yoke of Parisian academic supremacy. He financed generously the creation of new universities and the modernization of the old ones. A major problem remained, to fill these establishments with staff and students. The exodus of students and staff from Strasbourg filled the void. They had flocked together to reach Clermont-Ferrand, arriving at the university's gates in 1941, many of them without time to present their applications and credentials, all exhausted and starved. They were received with open arms, led straight to the canteen and given shelter, no questions asked. We've saved all that. We feel good. No time to relax, though. Can we come in? asks a girl, poking her nose around the door. Before I reply, the others reappear and they all push into the room. They are a bit shamefaced because they ran, even though we force them to. Visachel Rosenthal comes up to me. He's my favourite student, tall and lanky as a greyhound, working faster than the others, looking slightly bored. I join him sometimes to know what he's thinking. He rarely opens up his inner thoughts, but lately he told me that his father had fled from Strasbourg a little later than he did, and that he was without news. Where could he have gone, he wondered. Though he is usually very pale, at the moment his cheeks are flaming, he says angrily, you shouldn't have chased us away like that. I say, but we needed room to control, he interrupts. That's not my point. He is annoying me. We have just saved the building and all the people in it. Can't he see that? I say more harshly than intended. You'd have preferred us to die together. Yes, he says. Yes. He turns away from me and goes to the window. The import of his remarks strikes home. We had our opportunity to end it all. Now we'll have to go on as before. We'll have to return to Babylon, to captivity, and all because of... me. I suddenly see his future, mine and many others linked by a common fate, the one running in front of his eyes right now through the winterscape, and which I sense as imminent too. After consulting with Hervé, I tell the students they are free until the lecture at 11 o'clock. Is Valette giving it? asks a student. Yes, on cholesterols, I say. One pretty outspoken girl cries, Oh, help! And several others join in. I leave them to it. Elvie follows me into the assistance room, which is also used by members of the academic staff, because it is the only one with heat. Some squat on the floor for lack of chairs. They drink coffee made from lupin seeds, courtesy of the prof of botany, and chew on biscuits of maize and saccharin. 
which are not only as hard as wood, but also taste like wood. We talk about the incident in the lab. Some people are amused, others angry that I allowed my students such liberties. It's clear not everyone shares the same sense of humour, or of the ridiculous. Comments start to fly about among the tobacco smoke, making a few pipes tremble on the way. They glance at me sideways. Someone launches the attack. You ought not to let those idiots get on by themselves. I continue to nibble my biscuit, disregarding the double assault on the students and myself. There is more to come. Clément Vallette adds, Our future medics don't seem to have much scientific flair, which meets with general approval. True. As it happens, a delegation of students recently...